The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent, including Olas Media. Olas Media. Olas Media presents Reason 55. All right, fam. Hey. What? <laughs> uh, I, I am excited. Uh, I, I know you guys probably like this dude is excited all the time, but today I am especially jubilant. We have with us today a person that I am absolutely fawning over. <laughs> it, it, Kaya Stern, she is the co founder the director of Prison Study Project. And uh, man, this list goes on and on and on. She is a a, a national voice um, contributor to things like Vera, um, Open Society. Uh, again, this list is just like the length of my arm. She's spoken at the White House. I, and I, I've had the opportunity to sit and engage with her. And I'm telling you, fam, you are going to love her. So what, what we're talking about today, God only knows. I mean, let's be real. Uh, with everything that she cares about, I care about. I, I think you, because you're here listening with us, you care about. So... I, I I don't I, I can't even pretend like I know where this is gonna go. So but let's get this started. I'm gonna turn it over to Kaya, let her give you know, say whatever she wants to say and then we're gonna get into this. So Kaya, thank you for being here. I, I'm truly excited. <laughs> thank you. It is shared. It is so shared. I'm so grateful to be part of this and grateful for you and your voice and your work and your heart and honesty and I've learned so much from you um so thank you and this and the show it's um it's a gift to all of us so I'm the the honor and the jubilance is mine truly <laughs> well and and now I want to backtrack because I do believe in giving I'm not a respecter of persons but I do believe in acknowledging things that people have earned. So Dr. Kaya Stern. <laughs> and you know, actually I thank you. Yes. And and um and I'm this is awesome. But hopefully this'll this'll shape some of our conversation. Um, because it's kind of unconventional. And I'm also ordained as an interfaith minister. And there's no language for that, but it would be Reverend Doctor, just saying. But I, I'm not into honorifics. I like the Lady Stern in the email I just got. I feel like that should that should be my new title. But I like Kaya, I like Mama, you know, what my children call me. So um, So be it. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, you have all of these incredible achievements titles and but I, I i i i'm curious when you look in the mirror mm. your self-conversation your self-talk mm. that's such a beautiful see. question 
I mean, when you when you said look in the mirror, I thought of what because I thought we were still on the the words, and I thought, uh, you know, disciple. Um, mm. it really feels like more of a. I mean, I I would say my life's work is as a, as an educator, um, yeah. but in that I feel very much a student, um, and probably feel most inspired by things that can't be written. Wow. That <laughs> if if we were all held to that belief of 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 acquiring knowledge to to being a student, I I dig that that because that's kind of my thought process too. Is I'm I'm learning every day, prayerfully. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, now in that, what is it that you? Because I'll be I'll be candid. I'm I'm like okay. I know all of this stuff, but what can you tell the the family? What do you do? What is it that 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 you know that 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 passion gets you up every morning and say, "This is what I'm about. This is what we're getting ready to do today." Um. Well, what gets me up, I think, is I love people. Um. I mm. really, I really do, and I and I think that um, the ways we treat people who are most vulnerable is ghastly. Yes. Agreed. Most often. And um so it's the love justice piece that gets me up in the morning. Um wow. yeah. I do love people and I feel like that's rare. I mean and it's not as if I'm not well acquainted with the woundedness and the affliction and the and the trauma in myself and in others. And yet still, I always quote, Alice Walker gave a, um, I think it was a graduation speech <clears throat> where she talks about how when the world is, you know, when it when it's too much to bear mm. and it feels like there's nothing left to offer, find a human sunrise. These are her words, you know, find a human sunrise because they're happening all over the earth. And I do feel like that. Like I've been blessed with eyes that see the divinity or humanity or whatever it is in the so-called other and feel like um, that's where whatever we call God is yeah. in the eyes of the other. And so why not try to show up with a lot of love? Wow. How do you, oh, man. But what do I do, Steph? You asked. I mean, I, was like, <laughs> I dig that, but now you know you get me going. So, but but I so we'll, I'll come back. I'll remember this because the okay. eyes thing. I'm yeah. So let's, be like, why you got someone who looks in the mirror and just talking about love and discipleship? No, I. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with it though. That's that's life. That that if you can't find your passion by looking yourself in the eye. Mm. Um. Wow. How. How do you, how do you how do you keep moving? How do you? Are you. I, well, I think that's a piece of the problem. I, I, I as you said that that recognizing if you can't recognize it in yourself, how can you recognize it in someone else and treat them fairly and and with dignity and with you know that that compassion that I think we all long for. Mm -hmm. uh, and see, now you're going to get me on my soapbox. I, <laughs> well, I love it. Please. 
So, okay, what you do. What do I do? Yeah, so I would say, you know, distilled, I teach in and about jails and prisons in the United States, though I'm becoming increasingly interested in kind of global, what, I mean, mass incarceration doesn't even feel like the right language because there's so many people who are under state control or who are the, you know, the agents, the workers, the keepers in these systems. Um, mass criminalization i mean the way we criminalize and demonize particular people but it feels like the i mean the, the u.s models being rapidly exported and adopted abroad and there are so many <clears throat> um lessons to be learned on a global level and so my my work is shifting a little bit in that in that way but i've been based at harvard university for the last 15 years um, working at different areas of the university, the law school, the divinity school, the college, and most, and I teach at the graduate school of education um, about kind of uh, justice and pun the ways we punish mm. children in schools, the way we, the way we punish the so-called criminal, the way we, and my, and my work is rooted in, my academic work is in religion. I dropped out of law school after three hours and then ended up going to divinity school and doing, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, um, yeah, I, I felt like uh, the kind of adversarial logic for law school was not my, was not my thing. I was more interested in education and justice, um, but continue to partner with people in, in legal, you know, in the legal world all the time. Um, but so uh, teach at the Graduate School of Education and then have been for the last um, five years based at the Radcliffe Institute at Harvard, which um, was born of when, when Harvard was not co-ed and women were not allowed in, it was a separate institution. And now it's all part of the university, but I've been working with the most recent um, Dean on the focus area of law, education and justice. And so been, trying to get more educational opportunity for people in jails and prisons and doing work locally and also partnering with, um, on a more national level with, with um, DC jails and Cook County and um, um, have, you know, continued. Jody Lewin is the one who connected us. I remember, I think it was at some fundraiser in the Bay Area, you know, look at her. She's like, you need to talk to Stephen Walker. <laughs> you know jody is my love oh my yeah, yeah. i yeah. call i call her saint jody she yes. is yes oh. <laughs> yes so wise and, and i think that's one of the things about almost everyone that has been on the podcast and that's one of the reasons i am so happy you're here is that everyone cares about people mm -hmm. And this, this, what I feel is this societal um, adherence or maintenance of systems at the sacrifice of people is, is just, number one, it's insane, but I think slowly but surely as a society, we're recognizing the failings of these systems and their inability to 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 care for us mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um 
So and that's another reason I, I'm curious about, you know, the transformative justice, mm-hmm. uh, especially and, and prison studies. And that when we talked, uh, what was it, uh, two years ago now? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was just, you know, you, you, you know, I, I knew like seven, eight years, well, longer than that. I've been with corrections for 30 some odd years, but you know how you know something, but you can't articulate it. And then when you hear someone say it, you're just like, ah! <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's why I, I, I love what you, what you, what I've seen of you, what I've read of, of, of your contributions to this world. I, I, I'm just, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, I, I hope we can return to that, the keeper and the kept article that you that that's part of the publication from the Institute to End Mass Incarceration, because it was really your voice and conversations with you that inspired that, that was the heart of it and the thinking around that. Um, but but I would love to <clears throat> just offer some clarifying um, or just some context around the transformative justice. Please. And then also the systems that you brought up. Is that, can, yeah. Um, well, just that the transformative justice, the, the, um, the term, I mean, it's when I first started using that term, um, I was not aware of what is now, um, you know, the, and I, and I guide people to the transforming harm or transform harm, Miriam Kaba and others, you know, this longstanding work around um, preventing and responding to sexual violence and also thinking about transformative justice in terms of racial reparations um, and in the US context. And when I first um, offered the class called transformative justice, it was because I was asked to teach a class on restorative justice. And I said that, you know, I, I, I need to include the powerful work of repairing harm in relationship, but also think about changing structures that cause harm. Um, and so I just called it transformative justice without knowing that there was this grow. I mean, of course, all of this is re- rooted in indigenous practices of, of justice, of being in right relationship, but the thinking that to imagine justice as about changing ourselves and each other in systems is ancient. Um, it seems as old as human beings being in relationship. Um, and um, but and 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 also, you know, I, mean, I guess this is the interfaith minister piece of feeling like if we're going to sustain justice work in the world, we need to do internal work or spiritual work or whatever we want to call it in order to kind of reckon with painful truths, um, reckon with our own ideologies around what does it mean to be um, to be in right relationship and to be part of of systems and ideologies that other people and that cause harm, um, as well as the powerful restorative justice work. And so, and, and then also there's the global piece of transitional justice, you know, like, like government, on a, um, how do we transition from on, on a like macro policy level? Um, so there's so, so the kind of work that I'm doing around what I now call the class transforming justice, um, because it's, 
different from um, it and and return the movement for transformative justice at this point um, is is very particular and there's you know with great critique of like you can't do transformative justice work and be partnering with law enforcement agencies so to be doing prison education you have to be enough in relationship with the authorities to let you have access to be doing it and so i think a lot of young abolitionists would critique you know my even or even within the university it's like you can't do transformative justice within the university some folks say <clears throat> and you certainly can't be partnering with sheriff's departments and departments of correction yeah. my work is very clear that i am um committed to the people who are currently incarcerated yes yes i'm an abolitionist at heart yes yes i want to um, change all of these structures that cause harm. Um, but right now my commitment is to having access to classrooms in jails and prisons. And so I do have to be in good relationship with the powers that be um, in order to have access. So that's complicated. And I wanna be really clear that it's not like I'm doing transformative justice out of Harvard University. I yes. just taught a class, I've shifted the title because it confuses some students and I wanna be really clear that I'm thinking about justice in in many many different ways, and not just in the U.S. I mean, or not me. I you know, as part of a collective with students doing justice work on many different levels and in different contexts. Um, yeah, does that does that make sense? Yeah, I, I actually yeah, it, and it <laughs> and it drives more questions. It, it's so. How do you balance that? conflict I, well, I i don't know that it is conflict maybe it, it i it, how do you balance that this in, in, in my simple simple terms that this system is hurting people but the only way i can help people is by being in the system mm -hmm. not, not you know not part of it but engaged engaged within it mm -hmm. how do you yeah i mean I, I i feel like the systems are they're designed by people and they're by design yes right? none of this is accidental Agreed. and and the people working in them i mean maybe can can i share something that happened recently that feels like a Please. it just it just keeps coming to me it just keeps echoing as both a metaphor and like really where i'm at in the crossroads in my work and in my life, which is having been a part of, as a student or an educator, um, carceral education, let's just say, you know, that term, because it most people don't distinguish between jail, pretrial, prison, right, county, right. federal, state, but like, let's, so let's just say carceral education um, for going on 30 years next year and been based, connected to Harvard University for 20 years next year. Um, I had a feeling recently, <clears throat> so I'm doing this, this working group on music and justice with some students, incredible musicians. I'm really loving the, the kind of art, in addition to traditional academic degree granting programming, also student-led art working groups and bringing together lots of different people. And, 
<clears throat> it's this beautiful space somehow with the Suffolk County Sheriff's Department, you know, we've, we've um, been able to get instruments into the jail. This woman, Diana Santiel, founded this, this ICANN Academy and we've gotten violins and upright basses and guitars and just making music together. And it's so beautiful. It's about music and justice and resistance and, and creativity and collaboration. And got an email a couple months ago saying, you know, programming was canceled because the doors won't open, you know, on a given housing unit <clears throat> or a cell block, all the doors are connected to one electrical grid, you press the button, and they all open at the same time. And there, you know, there was a there was a problem with the electrical system, and the doors wouldn't open, it would have been too cumbersome for one officer to do each door, you know it well, um, understaffed, so programming was canceled. You know, once again, students isolated in their cells is after the pandemic, but you know, mm. not going anywhere, no programming. Right. Um, and I sent the email, you know, as I've done so many times in different contexts, like, um, you know, thank you for letting us know. Please know if there are ways we can support the students during this time. Hope next week will work out, you know, next week, programming canceled again, the doors won't work. It's an old electrical system. The doors won't open. Yeah. Um, and it was resolved. And thankfully, we're planning to go in again tomorrow. Um, but that kept echoing. Like, sorry, the doors just won't open. The doors won't open. And similarly, similarly at Harvard, this is an institution where, you know, it boasts on the Harvard Foundation website, largest hemisphere and largest, largest endowment, excuse me, the largest endowment in the Western Hemisphere, something like that. I mean, a lot, a lot of, a lot of resources, yeah. um, and and they have yet to invest meaningfully in um, educational opportunity for people with criminal records. And I, I say yet because I'm hopeful that they'll do the right thing. But in terms of the so-called Peer One institutions, you know, actually partner with community colleges who have always been leading the way, or actually invest in that, you know, in 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 this kind of work and it hit me this like cumulative 50 years of like sorry the doors won't just open the doors won't open mm. the doors won't open it's like fix the fucking building you know excuse <laughs> my language but like it's okay. by design yeah it's by design that the doors are not opening that yeah. the that and and so you know the people working it, so when we start telling those truths about these systems by design, it's not just any one administrator or, you know, director of, of programming or whatever it is trying to do their job, put food on their table, which is what you and I have talked about. I mean, the people working in these spaces are not the power elite. And oftentimes they, you know, with righteous outrage, it's like they, you know, they, they, they built the system. They didn't. These are by design. And there are a lot of people yeah. working in them who are trying to do the right thing. And we collectively need to redesign systems exactly. that keep doors closed. Yes. And look, I, I tell people all the time that'll listen to me <laughs> that, look, this system was built with an intention. And we as society indifferently out of comfort, ignorance, 
whatever allowed it to get to a point that it is resistant to tinkering. That's right. It absorbs all of the edge, you know, plotting and 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 modification and reform that core component of confinement and isolation. It's it, it, it look if if we're serious about humanity, if we're serious about helping people resolve what's wrong with whatever is wrong in their life, um, identify the components of our society that are insufficient to help this person figure out how and where they fit in the world, we got to start with and I'm I'm not an abolitionist, <laughs> but I but I firmly, firmly, with every fiber of my being, know that the way this system is constructed and the way it operates, we will never, never restore humanity. to to the people that are that are engaged by this system and i mean cuz i i contend that it damages everyone mm -hmm. it, it, and you know people are yeah, what do you mean you guys make a living off of this and i actually if i can share real quick i had a buddy call me yesterday one of his friends friends saw the new advertisement for the corrections job and called him because he knew he had a friend that was affiliated. And all he saw was make a change. You can make a change. You can make a difference and you can make $107,000 a year. And after he talked to the guy, he says, he says, man, I'm going to connect you with Steph so you can talk to him because that, that narrative that they're now trying to convince young people that they can come into this system and make a difference is, is only going to cause, is, is going to exist exacerbate the dissidence that that's going to naturally occur by walking in the con confines of these prisons mm -hmm. um so I, I i and i don't know where i started off on that guy i'm just i i there's there we have to change everything about this system um and, uh, well, and I had, so I want to pose a question to you. What would, and, and, and it, it, you can think on this or you can not answer and we can get back to it the next time or whatever, but what would a system, corrections, 
in whatever we call it, look like if our mandate was to treat it as an extension of our community? Can I go back before? Yeah, please. <laughs> it was something you said. Well, first, corrections. I think we need a reframe and we need different language because yeah. that 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 implies too many things, I think, that are not healthy. Um, and you said, I mean, just with what you were talking about with the young people and the job posting, um, I think I ended that article, which was so much of your voice, with your saying, we need a warning label that this is hazardous to your health, yeah. that, 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 that it is, um, you know, to recruit young people as if they're making a positive difference, which, and I imagine folks see themselves, I mean, at best as public servants. Yes. I mean, of course you, you, you know, the money's good. The money's better than, than being an adjunct faculty <laughs> at a university. That's for sure. Like many yeah. times over. Um, but but a warning label um, and and being truthful about the harm of of that working environment. I mean that that. But the whole logic of punishment, it seems, is that we um, that there's a disconnect. You know that that even something like human connection is contraband, you know, that officers get fired mm. for smiling too much, that if let's say women who don't have what they need, basic sanitary products share with each other, that's considered coercion, you know, and pu pu pun punished with further isolation. Um, yep. Extortion, I think that's what they call it. You know, there's no such thing as sharing because there's no such thing as there's so much relational trauma um, that's mm -hmm. that's that's part of the logic of the way we do punishment. Mm -hmm. So you know your 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 question about a mandate, what would it look like if we were an extension of the community? I mean, I don't think we would need these violent, isolating systems of punishment if we invested in community in the first place. If we invested in housing and employment and green spaces and healthy food and didn't have this grind this capitalist grind born of like plantation capitalism where ex we exploit some people's labor and profit you know what you know white property is more valuable than mm. non-white humanity you know that, that that then our communities would look different and whose community because some communities look real nice and <laughs> you know what i'm saying there's my, I used to joke with a colleague, there's probably more illicit drugs in Harvard Yard than in, you know, the communities in Boston that are heavily surveyed and black and brown and, you know, but who's policing who for what? Exactly. Yeah. I, I, look. <laughs> I mean, I also think there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of violence. I mean, we know that. We know that this week with more mass shootings. I mean, it's every day the, the, mm. the, the 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 yeah if we if we can talked about and attended to violence as a public health crisis yes yes and put our resources there community would look different guy mm. there uh, so many things you just said just 
I, I'm, I'm like, I, wa I want to pursue this. I want to dive deeper in this rabbit hole. Um, but it, 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 it is commonplace to bow to the myth that violence is redemptive. Hmm. So that that's actually Walter Wink, who's a theologian, oh. who talks about um, the real religion of America being this myth that violence will redeem us mm. so that's actually that was not my idea i mean the idea of, of of redemptive suffering is kind of big and rings true in my life and also i think really deeply problematic in 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 traditional Christ, christian theologic theology you know this this idea of of the savior being you know, executed by an empire and then freeing us all. I mean, that's, that's, that needs to be unpacked. Um, and that, so, so Walter Wink is the, the, where I got this idea, um, where it's like, that's, you know, we'll just be redeemed and safe and free if we can just get the bad guy, you know, whether that's Popeye's Brutus or Osama <laughs> Bin Laden or, or um, you know the the just it's it's part of polit it's like breakfast table conversation and also international politics where it's like if we just get the bad guy right then we'll be good um, and that I had a I had a um, <clears throat> a mentor Thee Smith in graduate school who said to me it was my final presentation. And I was talking about the kind of blood on the hands of the religious institutions that expel. So, you know, I just said this whole thing about, about religion and politics and how we treat the most vulnerable. And I thought it was so good. And I finished my presentation and he was quiet. And then he looked right in my eyes. Oh my goodness, I'll never forget this. And he said, Kaya, you embody the same tone of moral con condemnation that you seek to destroy. And it was like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and this was my mentor. And it was so true. It was like one of those like few moments in my life of very healthy, humbling shame. It was like, damn, you're right. You're mm. absolutely right. My whole thing was like, ah, like, you know get the bad guys yeah yeah how do we reimagine a different way of being so that i am not reproducing the pill the yes other vibe you, you know what i'm saying yeah like, yeah, yeah. oh my god yeah look that whole other thing that they did because i believe that is at the crux of the part of outside of the confinement. I think that's the crux of the problem with our carceral system is you're them. So it's okay to do this to you. Mm -hmm. And what you're experiencing, what you're exposed to, you deserve it. Yes. Yeah, and I'm, and 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 this is the part for 
for my fellow correctional officers that are listening, and I know you cannot dispute this because your sense of identity is built around the notion that you are us. And the moment you break, you won't admit it to anybody because it no longer allows you to be one of us. So there, and there is no neutral zone. There's no DMZ in this. You, you know, you don't get this safe harbor where while you're broken, you get to still be one of us and it's okay. No, you're one of them now. And that's why you won't admit when you're hurting, when you're, when the system begins to eat at you and you, you may not recognize you may not recognize it, but your family members do, your friends do, and that's why you do this to them. You you put that space so that othering thing, Kaya, that uh oh my god, we could <laughs> yeah I, oh I I I love what you do I I really do I I'm just. And, and that's as basic as, I mean, I feel like that's, human beings do that. It's like, we belong in this community and they are other, or this is our family and these are our values. And that, you know, we define ourselves in opposition. And, and then I think there are moments where we, you know, even let's say with, with, with officers, you know, who, who I, I several, I mean, this is, this is, um, you know, I'm stuttering here, so you're gonna have to cut this part out. Let me, let me figure out how I want to say this. Um, there are real power dynamics with who's wearing the uniform and wielding the stick when you are in a space, let's say, in a prison where everybody knows there are no cameras. That's real power. And and many people who I have spoken to, or let's say young, young, young folks, if you say, you know, where do you imagine yourself in 10 years? And they'll say, maybe, well, if I'm alive. Mm. I'll either be working in a prison or I'll be locked up. That just depends whether I get caught or not. You know what I'm saying? Whether I'm wearing the uniform or not, but I'm either going to, or I'll be in the military, right? So it's this like nexus of military, poverty, prisons. Yeah. yeah. And depending on whether you have the uniform or not, depends on whether you get caught, but you might be coming from the same socioeconomic communities or the same families as folks who either are locked up or who are working in law enforcement. Um, and that's terrifying when there are such, I mean, I would imagine that someone who is trying to put food on the table by doing work every day that takes its profound toll 
Yeah, it, it, look, and I think that's part of the problem is that we've pushed this so far into our subconscious because we don't want to think about the wrongs and we fail to have a conversation about the reality of how we engage and treat people. So these systems have, it, it's like a Petri dish. We've put some live organism in a Petri dish and, and put it someplace on a shelf. Yeah, and and just because we're talking about people and because you talked about the, the redemptive violence part, you know, I really do believe that it's in our theology, in our traditional theology of, of imagining um, like how we think God is punishing us. You know, if you go back to that, that fall from paradise, that narrative or scripture that that makes sense that has like really you know has a lot of meaning for a lot of people in different ways um but this idea that there's been a transgression a disobedience and then god is punishing mm -hmm. humans and the way you're punished you are exiled you are shamed you are gonna you know have pain in childbirth or you are gonna toil and labor i mean it is in our creation story to have to be justly condemned and punished by a God and in that be exiled. And that's what we do to the students who are acting out in class, who may be hungry, may not have had a place to eat, may be dealing with parents who are struggling with addiction and they show up and they act out in class. And what do we do? We put them in what is functionally like a prison within the school or you know, expel them or kick them out of the classroom. It's like all of the ways that we parent school have been and as a parent it is difficult to be parented in ways that we were not parented ourselves so this idea of what we do with the one who who is um not showing up in the community is the way we want right Our default, yeah we confuse justice and punishment we can't even talk about very it's very difficult for people to talk about what justice is we could talk about injustice or we could talk about punishment Yes. But we have yet to decouple them. And I, you know, to your question about community, I think we would we would reimagine what justice looks like separate from violent punishment. Mm. And, and you know, that's that's another one of those components of this that I don't know how we have that substantive conversation. But we've we're literally I'm, we're punishing everyone in this system, everyone. Mm -hmm. And I was having a conversation Monday with someone, and and we talked about how corrections in California has modified its discipline process for the people that have time to serve, but yet they still use this archaic discipline process for officers that have missteps, mm -hmm. that are human beings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and it's like, wait a minute, 
what are, I mean, what are we really doing here? What's what what is the purpose of this system? Yeah. And and I I I'm I'm I, I I'm really just not at not at an end because I I refuse to concede this yeah. um, that it can't because I agree with you. Somebody designed this, maybe not in total of that single individual. We've piecemealed this thing together through. <laughs> some some evil some evil intent to begin with but um well okay banality yeah i i i heard of <laughs> what's her name the banality of uh um oh, of evil. the banality of evil um heina arndt uh arndt Hannah Arendt. yeah he, yes <laughs> i think that's how you pronounce her name I don't yes know. i i'm i'm horrible with names like i said i i had the and for y'all we had a conversation <laughs> that y'all didn't hear where i had to google a video to hear how kaya actually pronounces her name <laughs> um but she posed that that question are are she posited that it's not evil it's selfishness and that altered my perception about a lot of people in my life um <laughs> but also looking at i mean legitimately looking differently and holistically at the people that are that have time to serve and it's like you know i don't know that i i, I may have met i'm not I, I may have met one or two that i truly truly believe man you bordering on evil for sure but most of the people i dealt with yeah this 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 would easily fit within selfishness um and and i i so i i don't again i i'm just so i refuse to give in to selfishness i, I refuse to for us to stop fighting for altering this because mm -hmm. we have people that are getting lost as a result of their engagement in this system and losing their lives um their families are suffering communities are suffering and we as a society are suffering um i think that that's uh, one of the things that I, i've shared with people before i've met some of the most literally brilliant people creative mm -hmm. intelligent or artistic people and our society is diminished by these people being constrained mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. over here and their gifts not being shared and 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 making our society flourish and prosper and so um 
Well, thank you for these conversations. I mean, I hope this is this is the, the beginning of many, and I really am grateful for your creating this space and having these conversations and asking these questions. Um, it's so important. No, I, I want to thank you for your time, and I because I know that you have a thousand irons in the fire, <laughs> and it, so I I am. I'm grateful for you stopping by and sharing with us today, uh, talking with the, the and it, it, I do classify us as a community, as a mm -hmm. family. Um, and we're, and the doors open to everyone. So this, because we're all family, we're all connected at a base. Yes. Um, so I, 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 I'd like to ask, is there, a way that people can in can find out more about what you do, how they might be able to engage, how they can assist. Two websites that have the most information: the, the prisonstudiesproject.org. Um, we're we're redoing that website, and also my own um, personal one. So, but I'm on LinkedIn. Definitely feature events and some of our work there, but. Um, I understand. And look, and and it, for the for the family, the friends, the the community that's listening, um, we would love for you to to tag if you're listening to this and you've enjoyed it. Hopefully, well, at this point, you've listened all the way through, so I'm assuming you enjoyed it. <laughs> but tag Kaya and I in, 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 in on your social media. Follow us um, and share with with people that you think that this resonates with and 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 hopefully we can get kaya to come back again and we can dive into her latest and um again kaya thank you and thank I you so appreciate it. all right take care so and great thank you My name is Kaya Stern, and I am the co-founder and director of the Prison Studies Project, and so grateful to be part of this conversation. You are listening to Reason 55 with Steph B. Reason 55 with Steph B is produced at the IVC Media Lab in San Diego, California. If you have story ideas, special guests, or general comments, send an email to stephb at reason55.com. That's stephb, as in boy, at reason55.com. To hear additional episodes, visit olusmedia.com. On behalf of Steph B., I'm J.C. Polk, and we thank you for listening. Olas Media.